0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, Excellence killed the church. How mediocrity is destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener.
2: Well, hey, y'all. Welcome to the Collision of Faith and Politics. This is the fastest hour in radio. By the way, the chat room is open. I'm not entirely positive. I know how to use it. So, uh, sorry, as the Canadians say. Chat room is open, and uh, by the way, the phone lines are open too. I'm not positive I will get the calls today because, of course, my awesome, awesome guest. I am so ecstatic to have her on the show. This is the first time we've been able to get her onto the show. Uh, She is a busy, busy lady. I've known her for years. It's funny how we kind of met but didn't meet. Um, Absolutely phenomenal lady. Andrea Shea King is on the show today. I'm just... Just beside myself, got the shivers and everything. Uh, she is, uh, Andrea is, uh, she has her own radio show, very successful radio show. And she also writes for Breitbart and World Net Daily. And boy, did she write something recently that is in the news. And on today's show, I'm just going to tell you in advance, it will be high-paced. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground. Um, here's what we're going to cover some of what we're going to cover. Racism, Ferguson to the White House and the Department of Injustice. I mean justice. I'm going to show you why, and we're going to show you why Obama's hatred of Israel is really a racist thing. You know, the Jews are actually a race. You you didn't know that, right? And that the Bibi Netanyahu smackdown of the Barack Hussein Obama administration, why that's really a racist thing. Remember what I just said. Smart people. Jews are a race. You're also going to understand why the Hussein Obama White House is driven by Hussein Obama's hatred of Israel, Jews, and those who do not also hate Jews. In fact, you'll see just how Hussein Obama's hatred of Jews drives the entire foreign policy of the United States of America. Look, we can have all the I stand with Israel stickers on Facebook groups and all that stuff. It still won't change the irreparable damage that's been done and continues to be foisted upon America by this one-man wrecking crew. What's worse... Is that we're treating him like a king while he sets fire to our country? Hey, folks, are you are you okay with that? Hey, I'm going to play you something really quick. My friend, uh, you're and, and Andrea. You know, I know you're going to jump up and down when you hear this. Uh, Kay Rivoli sent this to me, and the Rivoli Review. Let me tell you what these people are awesome. They're the coolest ever. And she sent me this song. I want you to hear it because we're going to be talking. One of the things we're going to be talking about today on this show is racism. Racism. This this song really hits. Me. What way, happened to, to, to
0: that
3: hope and change to unite us one and all? Cause we are more divided now. Why Dr. King would be appalled if you don't agree with their. Power. What they have to say Well, nine times out of ten My friend, the racist cards they'll play Racist, racist, racist is the word If you want to hit the news Why, better stick that in your blurb This song will get two million hits It's sad, but it is true Cause folks will watch it on YouTube And say it's racist Why don't they just defend their side with facts, for goodness sake? Well, I support the Constitution, free speech and the Bill of Rights. I support the right to bear arms and securing our borders tight. I support the sovereignty of states, think the people should be heard.
2: I'm going to tell you right now, those of you who weren't driving, that listening to this show, those of you who were not driving, you know that you were hooting and hollering. You know, because they're awesome. I'm telling you, Kay Rivoli and, and her husband, awesome people. And I know that Andrea, uh, our guest, is going to come on in just a minute. She knows them very, very well. Uh, Andrea Shea King is just a patriot's patriot, uh, and I'm fortunate to be her friend. I've dubbed her my cousin. That's right. Yeah, duly elected cousin. I don't know if you can elect cousins or not, but I did because I'd like to be related to her because she's awesome, and you're gonna see why here just in a little bit. Hey, listen, I, I want to welcome, I want to welcome our, all our war fighters and sheepdogs, uniformed and clandestine services. You're standing on the line for us, and we appreciate. It. Hoorah to the United States Marines deployed from the Tidewater, Virginia area, and hello to the Army Rangers and Ranger instructors listening all over the world. Rangers lead the way, and hoo ya to the United States Navy SEALs listening as you work out. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you for serving. While I'm at this microphone, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to allow our country to forget about you. Welcome also to my Gold Star families. You're a fraternity. Nobody wants to join. However, we treasure you. We stand with you. Listen, there there are many great organizations out there, but there are three that I've chosen to support because I know and love the people behind it. I know they're awesome. The Michael Strange Foundation. Go to our uh, Facebook.com backslash God and Country radio page, the Benefit Beef uh, beef and Beer for the Michael Strange Foundation. That's April 11th, 8 p.m. to midnight. I'm going to be there. The Philadelphia Flyers are going to be there. Several famous Navy SEALs will be there. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's a beef, and it's a beer. There will be beef, and there will be beer because it's in the title. That's going to be at St. Dominic's Church, 8510 Frankfort Avenue in Philly you got to go to that because uh, it's going to be fun, not just because I'm going to be there. It'll be fun for a lot of other reasons. Joe Conklin, the man with a thousand voices, all that, blah, blah, blah. It's 30 bucks a person. Come on, people. That's nothing to support the Michael Strange Foundation. So go to the, the Facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Thank you to Charlie and Marianne Strange for what you do. Uh, also, thank you for attending the funeral of my brother this week. Uh, we buried him on Monday, 52 years old. Listen, you think you have all kinds of time. You don't. Live like it. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the saying that I uh, I thought of immediately, and any time my life has ever been in danger, is something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. And you know what? I add to that, live like it. America's Mighty Warriors, Debbie Lee, a uh, personal friend of uh, of Andrea and I, and, and we got to spend some time, election time this year, out at the uh, Home for Heroes in, in uh, Arizona. It was awesome. She's awesome the mother of Mark Allen Lee, the first United States Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. Um, Also, he was highlighted in American Sniper, the movie American Sniper. And uh, also, and and finally, last but not least, Debbie uh, knows these folks too, Karen and Billy Vaughn for taking up the fight for our soldiers and families. Uh, You're awesome. What you do is awesome. And um, I cheer you on. And just so you know, I cheer you on, and I never I never will stop. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff I like to get through, I like to talk about, but I want to take every second I can with our great guest. Uh, she, she is, when I say that she is a patriot's patriot, Andrea Shea King is the bomb. She is the bomb. <laughs> she is a fighter. She is afraid of nothing. She calls it like it is. She says the truth. She doesn't run from it. She runs to it. She's the firefighter that runs into the burning building, uh, not out of it. She is awesome, and I am proud that she's my friend. And today we're going to talk about some tough stuff, and there's nobody better to talk about tough stuff than Andrea Shea King. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you for coming on. Yay. Thank
4: you, my cousin. It's nice to be with you again.
2: (laughs) Oh, the pleasure is all mine. It seems like it's taken forever to get you here.
4: I know. Well, you know what? We're both busy. We're running in concentric circles here, so that's what happens. But listen, before we get underway, I want to offer my condolences to you and your family. I know that your brother is probably in a much better place, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in the arms of the Almighty. But those of us who are without our loved ones understand the loss. And so I I offer you my sympathy and, um, and hope that, you know, in the days to come, you do find comfort in the fact that he is with our Lord right now
2: amen uh-huh. thank you very much i appreciate it and we know that for a fact he is absolutely i had the uh, privilege and honor of preaching his funeral and uh
0: mm. you know they
2: don't call me the ninja pastor for nothing and uh, it was the same mm. exact room that i preached uh or gave a, a service for my dad uh, who had passed before him and and uh well you never think you're going to bury your 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 children in my uh my mom said that. She said, I'm just in shock. I just I just can't believe it. So but we know where he is and we know he's at peace and he's mm-hmm. with the savior and, and uh he has gotten his reward. So we're we're yeah. glad of that. No more suffering, yeah. no more pain. That's so tell right. me right. tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, dear lady, uh you have ignited a firestorm with a recent, <laughs> yeah. recent post and I, and I've gotten behind you I I will stand behind you I don't care um you're, I support your choosing the words you know we cannot um we can't say that we're for the for, first amendment if we well except for certain words we don't like that so um mm-hmm. uh, why don't you just tell our audience here tell okay. us what happened, what happened what did you what did you write and and uh oh. and what you know what came of it
4: Okay. Well, um, on February 23rd, I was doing a radio program, and uh, I was particularly incensed that members of Congress were going to be boycotting uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu's address to the joint uh, Joint uh, houses of Congress. And so I said something in the heat of passion that maybe in retrospect should have been a little more tempered. Um, again, my comments were about those members of Congress who said they weren't going to attend Prime Minister Netanyahu's address. Now. Oh, if I had chosen my words a little more carefully and said instead that members of Congress, including the black Congressional Congress, who chose to boycott Prime Minister Netanyahu's speech, were putting immature high school partisanship behavior ahead of very serious world affairs, that this isn't a game or a time to be acting as petulant juveniles, perhaps my comments would have gone unnoticed. But what I said was, that members of the Black Congressional Caucus, along with other members of Congress, ought to be brought up before the U.S. Capitol building and strung up, which was probably not a very good thing to say. So, And as we know, uh, the paid and the unpaid leftist supporters of the Obama administration monitor everything. And so my comments were picked up by a rapidly left-wing online website. They put it on uh, uh, SoundCloud, and, you know, they grabbed just that portion. They did not take the whole thing in context, so it made me sound like I was really racist. Um, it was quickly tweeted out, uh, resulting in a barrage of tweets and Facebook posts to me that were nastier than anything I had said. I mean, it, 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 this was those who were accusing me of hate speech, Uh, were showing amazingly uncreative, vulgar, coarse hate speech of their own. It was a real education, Sean. I will tell you to see how rabid people are out there. There's a lot of hate. There are a lot of people who do not have Christ in their lives, for sure.
0: Amen. So...
4: I I, I mean, when I saw what was happening, I realized I had stepped on a landmine, an IED, if you will, and I knew that I needed to do something to – at at first I was going to ignore it, but then I thought, no, I can't can't let this go because Twitter was on fire, and I was starting to get um, uh, emails from friends who were seeing this, and I thought, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to want to be around me. They think I'm racist. So I um, decided what I would do is uh, drafted, uh, not an apology, well, a mea culpa is what I called it. And I posted it on my uh, Radio Patriot website, and I also uh, posted it on my Facebook page, and I talked about it on my radio show that evening. Uh, And then subsequent to that, talked about it a couple more times, just to make sure that people understood that my intent in saying what I did was not Meant to be construed as, hey, there's a black guy. Let's string him up on a pole. Not at all. Not at all. You know, and my my comments were misconstrued as racist. Could I have been more considered in my remarks? Yes. And but and as I as I wrote, instead to use an expression said by President Obama in describing a comment that was made by then Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, I used in artful language, okay? Um, and Or as a former CIA officer had tweeted, quote, all members of Congress who boycotted this speech have dishonored themselves. Now that was a more artful way of putting it. Um, a cable news commentator tweeted, shame on POTUS, the VP, and all the members of Congress who have turned their backs on Netanyahu over their political petulance. Again, a more artful way of putting it. So I offered my mea culpa to those who were offended. It was never my intention, and believe me, I am not a racist. I, I almost hate saying that because it gives fuel to those people who want to say, "Oh yes, you are." I, I you know, yeah, I, I, I inadvertently put myself into a position where I had to defend myself over something that I'm really not. So anyway, that's how that went, and um, and I think that the controversy has pretty much died down. And since then, I have been more keenly aware of what other people are saying and the re- and the reaction that they're getting from the left, and I feel like, oh, you know, we are in a club. It's not the club you want to be in, but we are in a club. Tom Cotton, for example, Senator Tom Cotton, uh, when he came out and wrote that letter that got 47 other signatures, uh, uh, his fellow senators, um uh, castigating, not castigating, but explaining the Constitution to um, Iran, the, the the Ayatollahs of Iran, and publishing it. I mean, the hate the hatred that has just descended upon that man has been incredible, and and the caliber of the people who are writing hate, hateful things to him are uh, uh, similar to the ones that wrote to me. They really. They're not very smart people. Let me give you an example. With uh, Tom Cotton, uh, somebody wrote in a comment, somebody ought to show him a map of Iran. Well, the man served in a, in Iraq and Afghanistan a couple of yeah. years. He's been there. He knows what he's talking about. But you get these people on the left who are either paid by the Obama pe- uh, regime or they're just useful idiots, you know, uh, fellow travelers. Who are going to throw anything and everything out there and really just you know show what show what I um, really ill informed people they are. So mm. I felt it's like you know there's some vindication in this because I'm not the only one who's been the object of their hateful diatribes. So we have to pray for these people. I mean I don't I don't mean to come off sounding arrogant or above them, but truly this kind of hatred is so destructive to our to to our our country to our well-being to our future um and it's certainly not godly it's not what god would teach that's for sure so Amen. anyway that's the story yep that's the story
2: well it's quite a story and it and it really illustrates a lot of um the fakeness i i will say the fakeness of the left. You see, they, and you know this uh, better than me. You've been in the public eye a lot. I used to be the guy who was behind the scenes and, you know, you're not supposed to be seen uh, type of thing, but now here I am with this microphone. But, and as I travel around the country, I say things, I know what you're talking about because the people, they're paid to come follow you and listen to you and record everything that you say, and then they'll take bits and pieces of it like NBC does, MSNBC, all these things. You know, they never get called on the carpet for that. Uh, I find it just egregious that they can do the things that they do and get away with it because they'll selectively edit it. They're not selectively editing anything. They're lying. They're taking it out of context for purposes of lying, and I don't like that. And I didn't like it when they came after you, of course, I, you know, I don't like anybody coming after you. I know you're tough and you can handle it, but I'll tell you this. I didn't like it and it wasn't right. Um, um one thing that I do yeah. know, always always always, you know it. Listen, we are in the fight of our lives. We're in the fight for our lives. We're in the, a fight for our republic. And until we start actually fighting as though we are. You say well, a lot of people have said to me and, I, and my I did a, another show before this on another network uh from 4 to 5. And remember listeners um here in a few weeks, we're going to be all exclusively on Blog Talk Radio from 4 to 6. That's that's kind of what we're going to start at least one day a week. And then Sunday from 5.30, you can download the messages, uh, Sundays with Dr. Sean. Uh, our messages are very different than any kind of church you've ever heard, uh, but they're fun. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to you're going to really enjoy yourself, but you're also going to learn. Uh, but, but what I'll say is, uh, in the first show I did on the other network, uh, I talked a lot about the fakeness of so many people on the left. You know, I do know some people who are they—they uh, they are liberal. I hate using that term because it's—it's—it's—it it's, to me it's a pejorative. But uh, but I, I, I hate using it. They've co-opted the entire vernacular. Um, so we can't even say a word without, well, of course, they're liberal. You want to be liberal. You like lots of ketchup on your fries, liberally apply, you know, type of thing. But yeah. it's it's very frustrating to me uh, because there is a major disconnect in America. The low information voter, uh, their group is broadening and widening. They're no longer this small little group that we can just kind of laugh at and chortle and say, oh, they're so stupid, so pedantic. They're voters now uh, that the Obama administration has been really the first. I think Clinton really got it started, but Obama, he just really ran with it. And now getting people uh, registered to vote that should never be able to vote on the the, the highest offices of the land, but they do, they win. They win because they win the narrative. They win the narrative. And I have to say, not just because you're my friend, but I have to say, I support what you said. Uh, You know, we could argue, we could say, we could kind of, the semantics of it, the optics of it, uh, we could say, well, news, you know, you were trying to say something uh, inflammatory. You were you were trying to you know you're talking about the Congressional Black Caucus and you use the word news. I support your right to say that because you know what. Number one, it got their attention, and somebody needed to get their attention. Quite frankly, I think they're treasonous. I think it's a treasonous group. Uh, you look at the people in it, and you have to think to yourself, what in the world? Mm-hmm. How did, how mm-hmm. how do these people get elected to such high office? Uh, such important roles how do they do it how do you think andrea how do you think these people get into office because i'm telling you if you do a roll call the congressional black coffee sheila jackson lee are you kidding oh, me? i know i
4: know that's who i'm thinking of. i have this, this mental image of just saying, how do these people get elected and she comes to mind well does I mean, she not have a does it. she
2: not have a sheepskin from yale on her wall
4: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's real soft and furry
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing
4: you. Sterling. So how yeah, so how does
2: this happen? How do how do we'll we'll just take the group that you were uh alleged to have maligned or or, or some okay. have even used the term threatened um okay. how do they ever get to office?
4: Well, first of all, they are um they are gerrymandered. Their districts are gerrymandered in such a way that they have all of their support right here in their district. The second thing is, is the, that the the people who do vote either either they are um, what is it that uh, President Reagan said? It's not so much what people know that's wrong; it's what people know that's wrong that they believe. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing it, but but the people who go to the polls to vote for. Uh, Someone like Sheila Jackson Lee, they, they do it with the understanding that this is the way it is. And the, and the value system that they share, she represents. The rest of them get a free lunch, $10 bill, put on a bus, bus over to the polls, and, uh, you know, they get a free lunch and 10 bucks. walking around money. I mean, we, we have heard about the walking around money that the ward bosses, urban cities, get. From the Democrat Party, which is a lot of it is derived from mandatory union dues from the unions, and these ward bosses walk around with a big wad in their pocket, and they start paying off the people in their wards to go and vote and vote a certain way. The system is corrupt, and and this this current regime—I don't even like to call them an administration—they uh, they're making it even worse because now they're fighting against voter ID. I mean, there's so much voter fraud out there. We've had, we had a Spanish company, um, doing, um, counting the ballots, computerized ballots. I mean, if you start messing around with computerized ballots, there's no way to trace it back if you don't have a paper ballot to back it up. I mean, it's, it's voter fraud. A lot of it is. As far as those districts that keep reelecting people that we look at, I mean, that, that, that think that Guam is going to tip over if there are too many people standing on it, you reflect the people that sent you there.
2: Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, you just said something uh, that I know, uh, Right Wing Watch, and, and 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 all the others that that you know their their whole life is all about, and. and, and how we kind of met but didn't meet, I alluded to this at the top of the show, is I protected someone who was, um, through executive protection team, was my company, and one of the people that I protected and was my privilege to do so uh, was Christine O'Donnell, uh, during her Senate run, and and I, we were right near each other, right next to each other. Uh, Dave Perkins of the Blaze, we laugh about this all the time, that we were literally uh, just feet away from each other mm-hmm. and didn't even didn't even know it. Now, you know, you guys and I are such good friends. But there was a guy who every event, uh, there was always at least one, but but sometimes more than one, who his job was to videotape uh, and and record audio and video of everything that Christine O'Donnell did. Everything. Uh, he came to every event. If there was tickets that had to be purchased, they always had them early. Uh, They always had everything covered. Um, One of the things I didn't like, one of the guys um, that was in, you know, he was one of the the followers, I'll say. It's what I called him. Um, He used to like to put his camera on a low boom, and he would hold it down. And, you know, Christine sometimes would wear skirts, and they Mm -hmm. they would actually do that. Believe it or not, they would actually do that. And, And I would... I would go through and I would say, look, if you don't want that taken and broken into multiple pieces, then you take it off of that, you hold it up high. You don't you don't mm-hmm. be looking for some nasty shot. That's that's not mm-hmm. going to happen while I'm here, and you and I will mm-hmm. have a problem and I don't you know, I don't care who you are or what you're doing. I don't care. You have a ticket. You're not going to stay here long or you won't leave in one piece. And so I just didn't like that. That was low grade just disgustingness. Anyway, yeah. uh, so they would do that, and then they're so technologically savvy that in the back of the room, before she would even be finished shaking hands, they would be on their laptop editing what they had just recorded.
0: Mm.
2: Now, some would say, well, you know, you've got to cut the time down. You know, you have an hour show, so you have to kind of, you know, edit it down and, and only bring forth the things that you want to want to emphasize. But I'm I'm just going to say to you, I don't think that it should be called editing. I think that it should, it should be called lying. Uh, yeah. And you, you well, talk. Go ahead.
4: Well, I was just going to say, and MSNBC is guilty of that. NBC is guilty of that. They've been proven uh, time and time again. One time with the, uh, was it the uh, GM cars, the the GM SUVs, that they they, they That's right. set them on fire on purpose. I mean, and they, who was it that they had ex- um, creatively edited a piece? Uh, to make him look bad. Oh gosh, I can't remember now. It was a politician, and it, and they got caught at it. So yeah, it's yeah. not it's not just the it's not just the uh, Obama bots and the left that are doing it. And they're following right in line with the state-run uh, media, which again, uh, MSNBC, NBC. But anyway, go ahead, continue.
2: Well, it ultimately, it comes down to this. Um, I believe that it has been able to flourish as it has because simply because we have stood quietly and respectfully for so long. You know, I know you. I know who you are. Uh, I know how you think. I know that you're not a racist. I know uh, y- we share common friends who are black. I think both of us have – he's named both of us, uh, you know, famous guy. He's na- I'm pretty sure he's named both of us uh, honorary black people. Uh cool. And so we we have a ton of black friends. One of my best friends since childhood is a black guy, and he he one of these days I'm, he's fighting cancer. I'm one of these days I'm gonna have him on the show. He just gets so mad when he sees people who don't know anything about anything. They yeah. sit at home, and this is this is not a, a black issue. This is a uh, you know this is a colorless issue. But he as a black guy he speaks specifically to this among his community, and he says, uh, he says, look, you know, this makes us all look bad. We're just working the system, and then you talked about the walk-around money. People think that's not true. I've gotten, let me look at my little message indicator here, my little handheld computer. Uh, I don't know, maybe 15 messages. People think that cannot be true.
0: Really? To some, oh, oh, cannot I mean, be true. It's absolutely I
2: mean. true.
4: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, especially in Chicago. Oh, my gosh, the ward bosses in Chicago, any big city. But yeah, all they have to do is do their homework. I mean, really, instead of refuting what I'm saying, don't take my word for it. Go ahead and check it out. Type in walking around money, ward bosses, and you're going to find out that there is payoff made all the time to get your people out to vote. Yeah, they they had their neighborhood captains. So I mean, it's very well organized, and it's been this way. I mean, look, it's not just Chicago. I mean, go back to Boston. The Boston Irish, they did it way back when. Uh, It's I mean, it's almost acceptable because it's so commonplace. But anyway, do, do your you know, to those who are listening, do your homework. Don't take my word for it. Do your homework. See if I'm not right.
2: Now tell then me come back.
4: then come back and message Sean and tell him. No, that can't be true. <laughs> After yeah, you've yeah. done your
0: homework.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. I love that. I had a guy last night, um, and I'm sure this has happened to you, uh, listening to uh my message uh on our Sundays with Dr. Sean and he he said, he typed into the chat section uh and of course I'm walking around when I'm when I'm preaching, so I I don't see this, but I came back to it and he had unfortunately already logged out, and he said that this is nothing but a uh, left-wing, another left-wing liberal church. And, you know, anybody that knows me, man, that liberal left-wing, those are words that should never be uttered in describing me. But, you know, what struck me is sometimes people say stuff, and if they have the right microphone, they will be heard, People will listen to them. People uh, will repeat what they say. And, uh, you know, and sometimes they're really smart people. I love Waters World, um, you know, Waters uh, from O'Reilly. He's a Philly boy, local guy, and a really smart guy, super smart guy. And uh, some of the stuff that he comes up with just blows my mind. But what really blows my mind is he'll go to – the really uh, vaunted uh, educational institutions, and he will interview people from Princeton, people from you know you know uh, Harvard and Yale and all these places. Well, recently, and I don't think this was his thing, uh, but the president, you know, he's an avid basketball fan. He, you know, he's instead of dealing with all the major world issues we have going on, he's he's worried about filling out his his bracket. You know right. the big uh, the, the big NCAA basketball bracket, and so March Madness, I think they call it. So, so he, you know, it's important for him to go to the basketball game. So he goes to Princeton to watch Princeton play basketball, and the students at Princeton University, you know, Princeton, New Jersey. I mean, this is one of the top universities allegedly in the country, and they're shouting four more years, four more years. Now, you would think that they'd know by now that it's two terms, that's the maximum you can serve. And a, a dear friend of mine, and my super duper top researcher in the world, reminded me today, you know what? You're thinking wrong about this. You're thinking that they're just stupid. No, what you should be thinking is is they realize that to Barack Hussein Obama, the constitution and the rules and the two, you know, the two terms, it, he's above that. He doesn't yeah. have doesn't to, to abide to by that. that. Doesn't mm-hmm. apply to him, and so they might very well have known that, and said, "Hey, it doesn't matter because you're our guy." Now tell me this, and I, you know, I, I, I hope that you'll be able to do this. Maybe not. I shouldn't have put you on the spot, but you believe there's somebody uh, that the 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 left has, you know, this whole Hillary business. You believe that uh, that's not a foregone conclusion, the Hillary thing. I don't think so well, either. Uh,
4: yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I well, I, our mutual, we have a mutual friend who used to uh, be the elected secretary in the U.S. Senate, and she's very savvy about what goes on on Capitol Hill. She understands the strategy, the parliamentary procedures, the tricks, the all of it. She just she she grew up in that atmosphere on Capitol Hill. Um, and she, amazingly, has come out of it untainted. That's that's the miracle of this, is that, the, yeah. that she, she, she's a godly Christian conservative woman out of all that. But anyway, she told me months ago that Hillary was knocked out of the game in 2008. Well, she, this is what she was hearing from her sources up there on the Hill. Because those who make these decisions wanted someone that they could control, and Hillary wasn't it. She wasn't left enough, and they wanted someone who would move their globalist agenda to weaken the United States. This is all part of the big plan. Now, during President George W. Bush's second term, his last term, these power players were out there scouting. They were searching for a candidate that they could control. Feelers, they put feelers out to Democratic left political operatives. And finally, it was David Axelrod who brought them their Messiah. This, And and I I wrote this on my post, and I mean this sincerely. A narcissistically arrogant, skinny, lazy, biracial, druggy, gay boy tumor with little notable achievement and even less allegiance to the United States. Someone who, by his upbringing, had been steeped like a tea bag in the cups of Islamism and communism. Somebody who shared their view of Israel as the bane of the world's existence and whose only talent, driven by his need for adulation, was his ability to campaign to adoring crowds and raise fabulous amounts of money. And they knew that that would serve them well because that money would then be used by their presidential pimp. To keep congressional Democrats sweet. This is why the Democrats in Congress keep feeding at Obama's trough, even though they don't like him because he has hurt their party. But he's got the money, and he's got lots of money. And it keeps them hooked. It keeps them sweet. It keeps them voting the right way. And it keeps them whoring themselves out to the right people. They found their perfect candidate, the first black American president who would be insulated from criticism by accusations of what? You know the answer to that one.
0: Oh, yeah. Racism.
4: So they groomed him to perfection. They slimmed down. They gave him some uh, plastic surgery, slimmed down the negroid nose, tailored his suits, capped his teeth, and, as I wrote, perhaps most difficult of all, some might argue, they morphed his racist wife into something resembling an attractive first lady. They erased any vestige of his background, or tried to. They created a golden halo persona. They prepped the corporate media moguls, all six of them at the top of the corporate, uh, owned, uh, corporate chart, and then they transformed Styrofoam into Greek columns. They surrounded hmm. him with fellow travelers, minders who would keep him focused and on track with their mission. Fellow travelers were brought along who were experts in congressional procedures, Tony Podesta, the uh, uh, American, uh, what is it called, uh, the American uh, Policy, Progressive, uh, American Center for Progressive Policy, I think it's called. Anyway, Tony Podesta's uh, think tank. He knows how to circumvent Congress to federal regulation and or executive action. This guy is brilliant. Tony Podesta is brilliant. Do not underestimate him at all. He and mm-hmm. his brother both. And his brother... Uh, He and his brother are actually working on the Hillary campaign. Podesta was a chief of staff to Bill Clinton. Anyway, so he was brought along in the background to help them uh, puzzle out how to circumvent Congress so that this freshly pressed community agitator wouldn't have to deal or negotiate with anybody on Capitol Hill because it was a skill set that he did not possess. Now, the presumed candidate... Hillary, confident she held the glittering key to the White House, she didn't have a chance. She was not their choice. But in order to assuage her, these deep pocketed uh, New World Order powers that be, they placated her with a campaign debt payoff, a slot as Secretary of State, and a promise that 2016 would be hers. But guess what? They lied. So now, fast forward to 2016, same scenario. These global chess players, they don't want the shrieking Harrod and Clinton. They didn't want her then. They don't want her now. So they're, they've been scouting for Obama's successor the way they did in the run-up years to the 2008 elections. I remember having a conversation with a gentleman who had been in the Reagan administration and was one of the architects of um, the, the the demise of the Soviet Union through through using the Star Wars and forcing the Soviet Union to spend gobs and gobs of money to try and keep up with us in, in the Star Wars race to space. He was the one who came up with the idea of bright, bright man. He In fact, uh, Indiana Jones was patterned after this guy, after this gentleman. He and I were having a conversation on the phone, and we were examining all the candidates at that time, and we literally laughed at this. Barack Obama, who, as he as he put it, he's still left behind the ears. He's not qualified. Well, it didn't matter. It did not matter. To his surprise and to mine, um, uh, these powers that be, these new world order globalist types, um, knew that they, they were going to destroy Hillary again. This was part of the plan, and I think that's why the White House, allegedly the White House has leaked a word about all of these private emails, this private server, etc. This is not an unusual thing. We're finding out that there are a lot of agencies that are using private emails and private servers. How come Hillary got busted? Because the White House, because they're doing the bidding of those people who are moving the chess pieces, who play three-dimensional chess way down the line. Already know how it's going to turn out. So they planned this destruction of Hillary all along. And they chose their candidate. They've already chosen their candidate. Well, we've been tuned into to the daily horror show called The Tumor Destroys America. So who's the candidate? Is it Elizabeth Warren? Nope. She's too far to the left to win a general election. Can't you picture the conservative right voting for Elizabeth Warren? I don't think so. Can you picture the undecided? The 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 independents out there voting for Elizabeth Warren, I don't think so. So and they know this. Uh, they've already done their polling. They they're doing polling constantly. They know she can't win a general. Okay. Plus she'd be very hard to control. She's very headstrong. She's she's a she's a powerhouse in and of herself. Okay. So Joe Biden, <laughs> really? I mean that's laughable on the face
2: mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm.
4: O'Malley, this guy O'Malley from Maryland.
2: No, yeah. Tax the rain, baby. Tax the rain.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's just the opening act. He's the eye candy. He's something that the media can 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 trot out there with his with his you know muscle bound pecs and playing his guitar. And uh, he's just, he's a magician. He's fascinating people with his little bag of tricks. That's all it is right now because they're not ready to bring out their candidate yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't met him yet. But he's already backstage, and he's swimming in the D.C. cesspool already. And I believe, and this is my opinion, I don't have this for a fact, this is not our mutual friend's um, uh, opinion, um, although we have discussed this, and I've run it past her, and she thinks that that's entirely possible. This new Manchurian candidate has been, with the help of the powers that be, building his political resume, and gathering political chips, He's young, he's relatively telegenic, and he's going to be brought on stage, bursting onto the scene at the appropriate time. They have been prepping him and erasing anything in his past that might be a handicap. Hmm. Sound familiar? He is a socialist communist. His mother was one of the founders of La Raza, He's attractive, he's youthful, he's vibrant, he has tremendous appeal to the left, he has an m- appeal to the women, and the great teeming masses of the un- the uninformed, the ill-informed who will love him. And most important of all, he is Latino. Now, if I had to place a bet, I would put my money on the the fellow who was the mayor of San Antonio, who oh. is now has been has been appointed to the uh, head up the uh, he's the secretary of housing and urban development he was appointed by Obama and I I would bet you any money that Obama was told to appoint this young man his brother serves in congress his brother was just named to um, some deputy deputy of of something and I can't remember what it was but somebody somebody mentioned it to me in passing yesterday but I believe that it is going to be Joaquin Castro.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: He's 40 years old. He's from San Antonio, Texas. He, as I said, he he is the new Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Only this, is Latino. Mm-hmm. So that would be my guess. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong, but it kind of fits. It fits all the slots. Mm-hmm. It checks all the boxes. Now, mm-hmm. um, the antidote to that, might be Ted Cruz, might be Marco Rubio,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, maybe uh, not Jeb, Jeb Bush, please. But so Ted Cruz announces today, right? And I'm telling you that there is so much discussion about him today. <laughs> I, the the people who have been concerned about Obama's eligibility, and the whole idea of adhering to the Constitution. Article 2, Section 1, are very concerned about this because despite how they feel about Ted Cruz, like him or not, they are purists when it comes to the Constitution, and Ted Cruz is saying that he is too, yet he is ignoring the elephant in the room that the left is going to use to hammer him with and the conservative right who have made an absolute life's mission of study about the the eligibility clause they are going to be they're they're not going to be happy this is going to be so divisive I I don't know what the outcome of this will be and I I know that Rush Limbaugh thinks it's wonderful and they and you know Glenn Beck is all about Ted Cruz and in fact Glenn Beck this morning on his program he and uh and uh uh um, what's his name? Stu and, Mm-hmm. I can't remember now, but anyway, um, you know they were pat. That's it. They were mocking the people who have brought this up ever since Obama was first deigned uh, uh, the candidate for the Democratic Party. Oh, birthers, get over it. And it's like you know, this is where we separate. This is this is this is one of the schisms of the Republican Party. It's going to hurt us. And, and if they would just, you know, if Ted Cruz would just bring it forward and say, "We need to have a discussion about this. I want to be your president. I know that there are doubts about this. Let's bring it to Congress and let's con- let Congress decide. What, what does exactly a natural born citizen mean in this day and age? Does it mm-hmm. any does it any more apply? You know, I mean, we we should have that discussion. But instead, it's going to be swept under the rug, and it's going to create even more antagonism and frustration and anger and heartache on the mm. part of people who are constitutionalists. So anyway, I, I, I think that that's going to be a real problem. And people who want to fundraise for him, political action committees that are on the side of conservatism, I think this is going to hurt their ability to raise money. I will have to say you. though.
2: I will have to say yes. though, uh I I am a hardcore Ted Cruz fan. Hardcore yes. Ted Cruz fan. He he is brilliant. Uh I've spoken to yes, him personally. Is. Um mm-hmm. he he is as real as it gets. Uh I just I really really believe that even, and i i i get where you're coming from on the struggle for the the whole uh naturalized and natural born all of that I, I do get that i do get that but i hope that we can overcome that because of the group there's a couple more that i'm i'm a, a fan of but this guy i've watched him speak i've just been feet away from him uh yeah. when he's been speaking and 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 i like i say i've had the great honor to be uh at the at the right or left hand of of some of the greatest people in this world, that I'll tell you when they're off stage, uh, you, you realize, boy, I wish I'd have never learned that about them.
1: But yes. I have mm-hmm. to say,
2: this guy, this guy, he's the real deal. He, well, me, I don't think he's interested me, in grandstanding.
4: Well, let me, let me let me let me pop that balloon a little bit, just a little bit. This uh, mutual friend of ours and I. Um, mm-hmm. We we went to the Americans for Prosperity event in Orlando, uh, not last year, but the year before. And the comparison between him and, let's say, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, for example, was stark. Now, our mutual friend went into the session where Ron Johnson of Wisconsin was speaking. She came out of that session, and she was very impressed with him because Mm -hmm. she said that when he spoke, he told the truth, he explained the realities of what we're dealing with. And interestingly enough, the attendees who were in that session did not want to hear it, and they repudiated him. She was appalled to see the reaction of the people in that room. It was like, no, don't tell us this. La, 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 I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But he was being honest, and she mm-hmm. knew he was being honest. It was really rough, Okay. After that session, she and I gathered together to go into the main ballroom where uh, Ted Cruz was speaking, and we were both looking forward to it. When he spoke, and, and you're right, he does he he, he does a, a an enviable job of getting up there and talking without a prompter, talking from the heart. But the thing that was discomforting for her, especially not so much to me because I'm I'm kind of the naive one. She's the savvy one when it comes mm-hmm. to picking out those kinds of things based on her experience and her knowledge. She said to me, "He is a populist. He is not he is not he's telling people what they want to hear and not the hard truth." She said he is being the conservative version of Obama. That is stunning. Because mm-hmm. oh, didn't Obama tell us all what we wanted to hear? Maybe not you and me, but to the masses out there. Okay, that second second thing I want to share with you, and I don't know how we're doing on time. Just let me we have you. Uh,
2: seven minutes left, and you can have all of it.
4: Okay. okay. All right. So our mutual friend took me to the Senate gallery. Uh, she took me on the same tour she took you on when you were in mm-hmm. Washington. Yep. Okay. So the Senate was still in session and we went up into the gallery and we observed what was going on on the senate floor this was shortly after the filibuster that Ted Cruz did the green eggs you know that we we all loved it we all loved it and she said to me observe the body language so i'm watching she said, and she's pointing out she said you see these little clusters talking over here and you know uh, so and so's running up to somebody's desk to talk to them i mean it was it was fellow well met But at the same time, there were some people who, you know, Republicans or Democrats that were still caucusing together on the Senate floor. This was waiting for a vote. They were waiting to take a vote. It was evident when he walked into that Senate chamber, he did not have a friend in the
0: room. Mm -hmm.
4: I mean, they ignored him. They turned their back on him. It was stunning to watch. Did he did he crumple? No, not at all. He held firm. He, his, his body English said, it's okay, I'm confident in myself, I'm not worried about it. But he did not have a friend in the room. He did not have the respect of even the most conservative of them. And the reason why, as she explained to me, was because he had broken rules that alienated those very people who could have and should have been his supporters among his confreres in the Senate. He has pulled some stunts that were needless, that shouldn't have been done, and that have hurt him. But the American people, and he's smart enough to know this, see him as an outlier, and they love it because he's not part of the establishment. He's playing that to his advantage when really there's a backstory to it. And so I'm watching this, I'm hearing what she's saying. Now, this is two separate episodes where we have been in his company. And I am concerned. I like Ted Cruz. Hey, we, we she and I went to Dallas for the uh, uh, Glenn Beck uh, um, Restoring Love event at Cowboys Stadium, and they had a big event at the American Airlines um, uh, Auditorium in Dallas where Ted Cruz was one of the main speakers. We held up a sign with his name on it and took pictures of ourselves like that. It, we're for Ted Cruz, but that was then. we had a chance to really examine him at this point, and I just want to caution people: look beyond, look beyond what you see, and and don't be don't. It, it's like I said to a friend: I'm not I'm not going to put him on my dance card right off of the bat. I'm going to be very choosy. I'm well, the person I dance with this time had better pass muster as at least in in as much as my muster. And mm-hmm. and I'm not there with him yet. I like him personally. It's nothing personal. It's just I'm not convinced. I'm not mm-hmm. convinced yet. Mm-hmm. And and again and again the, the whole the whole natural uh uh natural born issue, that's a whole other issue that must be dealt with.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: That must be dealt with. So that's where I'm at with it and and do I have any other favorites? No, i
2: don't <laughs> not yet what we what torques me and we we only have about two minutes left uh what torques me time really flies uh what torques me what? is that you know I don't believe Barack Obama is at all uh constitutionally qualified to be president. I don't believe it at all uh i i i, I vehemently disagree um i have the. You know, I'm fortunate to know David Barton and and have spent uh, considerable time with him. And I've asked him, I said, you know, you you just, uh, can't you talk to him? And he says, you know, that's one topic that we never bring up. You know, that's one topic Mm -hmm. we never bring up. It frustrates me uh, to no end because, you know, Glenn, I don't understand how he can make fun of and ridicule, air quotes, truthers, this is a yeah. serious issue. But I what really yeah. torques me is how come the left can put a guy up here which we know is not qualified to be president mm-hmm. in any shape or form, and mm-hmm. we got a guy who, you know, and I don't know all of the deal with it. I don't know all of the, the, the different issues with it. Uh, I will study it and find out exactly what his deal is uh Ted Cruz and you know I know there's a, C- a Canadian connection and there he had dual citizenship and because of where his parents lived and all that um and, and but I'm going to learn more about it but the bottom line is is what ticks me is you know we we are such rule followers
0: i just I wonder
2: I would our would our founders have been rule following now. Hey, listen, we only have uh, just just like 30 seconds left, but I want you to know how much I appreciate you being on the show. I would love your friend and my friend. Elizabeth has a regular slot on this show. Uh, She's about Mm -hmm. due to come back on again. I can't wait to have her back on again. The audience loves her, and I know for a fact the audience loved you. So I want you to know how much (laughs) I appreciate it, and just what an honor uh, it is to have you on the show, and uh, I hope you'll come back again. My,
4: the honor was mine,
0: cousin. The honor was mine. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having I look me. forward to
2: seeing you soon. Thank you so much for your great information. And, folks, uh, let your comments pour in. Uh, we appreciate that, and uh, certainly we appreciate Andrea Shea King, you know, she's all you have to do is type in Andrea Shea King, and you're going to get lots of opportunities to see her and to listen to her on her own show here on Block Talk Radio. So uh, thank you once again. Thank you, folks, for listening. I appreciate you. And listen, we've got to fight, America. We've got to educate ourselves, inform ourselves. We've got to stand. We've got to resolve. We've got to decide. Until that happens, nothing good will happen. Thank you for joining us.